0: Visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
1: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought.
2: United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
0: Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me
2: today is Allison Bree.
1: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: A from Welcome to Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you. We're going to be keeping it to two parts because... We have nothing to recap from yesterday as it was an off day in the World Series, so we're just going to dive right into it here in segment number one. I'm going to be joined by Matt Josephs. We're going to be getting his angles in general for taking a look at Game 3 and just taking a look at the series moving forward and some of the keys that we're going to be seeing now that the series has shifted to Philadelphia. Does that mean that we're going to see a little bit more higher scoring games? Are we going to be seeing some good pitching and what in the world are we going to be getting after Noah Thor Sindergaard and Game 3 as you got to figure that he's probably not going to be delivering a whole heck of a lot of length so we're going to be diving into that and then in the final segment I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis for Game 3 of the World Series as we touch them all if you've got a question, comment, segment, idea what have you for this podcast you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JNR41. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe doesn't matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Either way, that is fine in Apple Podcast Review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, you will to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, by that five-star review, did not get in any Twitter questions today, so let's dive into it, as you know Matt Joseph's better as mid-major Matt. He does absolutely amazing work. Take a look at handicapping so many different sports, as you can tell from the name, Mid-Major Matt. He does an amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball. On top of that, he does absolutely tremendous work taking a look at football as I know that he does that for Athlon Sports. You're able to catch his radio work over there. If you're in the great city of Richmond, Virginia, as he does some work over with the ESPN affiliate in Richmond, so he does a nice job there, and on top of that he has done a great job taking a look at the great game of baseball with me all season long. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Mid-Major Matt. Altogether, Matt, great to have you board. Thank you. No problem. As you said, looking forward to a Monday night, D Citizens Bank Park should be rocking. Oh, absolutely. That is going to be rocking. And it's gonna be the first time since I believe 2009 that the Phillies have been in the World Series might have actually been a little bit longer than that. I have to think back to that series against the Tampa Bay Rays as That was one of the more incredible ones. I remember that game that was like in a rain delay and then they had to play the final three innings the next day. That was absolutely incredible. Hopefully we don't have that sort of weather. But that said, we do know that game three is going to be North or Syndergaard going for the Phillies and Lance McCullers going for the Houston Astros. And right now we're finding the Houston Astros being between about minus 127 to about minus 132, which I think that this is relatively right. I do think that the edge goes to the Astros a little bit because I think the big question for the Philadelphia Phillies is who comes in after Noah Thor Syndergaard because Syndergaard really hasn't made... A5-plus having starts since the beginning of the month. That's a big, giant question. And with the Philadelphia Phillies not getting anything out of Bailey Falter, they had to replace him on the roster. And that's the biggest question mark that I have for the Phillies in game number three.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's something they've done a couple times already, though. Cindergaard so, uh, pitched well in his start against the uh, against the Braves. He pitched well out of the bullpen. And I think what you'll probably end up getting is one time through the order, maybe slightly more depending upon how many pitches it takes. You know, this is where I think the Phillies have a small advantage over the Astros and that Rob Thompson has been able to manage this bullpen magnificently. You go back to game one, using Alvarado as early as he did was something huge. It was an important situation and Thompson knows that when you've got big situations, he's going to go to Alvarado, he's going to go to Sir Anthony, and to a lesser extent, he's going to go to Robertson. And the good thing is with the day off, everyone's available. Almost, you know, I would say Wheeler is not available and I would say Ranger Suarez is not available. Other than that, that's about it. You know, if he needs to go to Aaron Nola on his throw day. He could potentially go to Aaron Nola. I think we know the first three innings, and I think that after that, it's just going to be, all right, what's the situation? How many pitches did he throw? What's the score? So I, I think that's one advantage the Phillies have is the managerial movement that Rob Thompson's made has been almost impeccable so far this postseason.
3: I do think that Rob Thompson has done an absolutely amazing job as well because he doesn't necessarily go with the hardcore analytics or anything like that. He goes a little bit more by feeling. That's very refreshing because there are so many people that they're like, oh, you can't go back to a guy a second time through the order. It's, oh, you have to go to this guy in this certain spot. You saw that very clearly with the San Diego Padres who are unwilling to put Josh Hader out there at any time other than the ninth inning. Whereas with Rob Thompson, he'll bring in some like David Robertson in like the seventh or eighth inning. He'll put in there Sir Anthony Dominguez to get five outs when it's in the middle of the game to be able to get them through because it's a big spot in the lineup and I do think that that's very refreshing to see and honestly I think that that does give the Phillies a little bit of advantage because in high leverage spots, high leverage guys are going to be in there whether or not it is the 8th slash ninth inning.
4: And that's the case, it's so funny because it goes all the way back to, at least for me, remembering when Terry Francona used to put Andrew Miller in, it felt like whenever he needed to it was almost like, and I'm sure it happened beforehand, but it almost like it opened everybody's eyes up and said wait a second, I could put my best pitcher in an inning other than the 8th or ninth." And so I think that that's something you could kind of do and, you know, Dusty Baker not using Stanek as much as he does. And Dusty Baker being somewhat of an old school kind of guy. I think that baseball's kind of moved somewhat from the old school situations. You look at Tony La Russa and the stuff that he used to do in terms of just a maddening sort of things. And I think Rob Thompson, even though being an older manager, is embracing the new age thinking of baseball. And that's certainly an advantage for the Phillies.
3: I totally agree with you as Matt Josephs, better known as Major Matt, he is joining me on the podcast. And I do think that it is going to be very interesting to see what we get not just in game three, but moving forward as well. Because as we know out there in Philadelphia, not quite as warm as it is in Houston. And no question about it, you don't have a dome out there in the great state of Pennsylvania for this game either. But I do take a look at the way that both of these offenses have been going. And I feel pretty optimistic about them. I do think that the answers are going to be able to get to Syndergaard with Lance McCullers Jr., You can just tell from the underlying numbers that is ERA of right around at 225 during the regular season. That was a little bit of fool's gold, in my opinion. The command has been a little bit better, but I do think that he's very hittable. And I could see some higher scoring games, not just in game three, but moving forward. I'm not sure if you agree slash disagree, but even though it's a little bit cooler out there in Philadelphia... I think these
4: pitching matchups lend themselves to a few more runs. And the Phillies offense obviously at home has been so much better. They're averaging, I think, over five runs per game at home and they've beaten up some bad pitch or some good pitchers there. And I thought it was interesting that McCullough said, I've heard some things about the Philly crowd. I'm looking forward to playing there. I think that's the last thing. That's those are famous last words of a guy who's gonna go in there and get everything that he's asked for. And look, I think that the crowd helps out the Phillies. I think the fact that their home helps them out. We know the ballpark dimensions certainly benefit them. You know, Kyle Schwarber hit some massive home runs there. And of course, we know the home run he nearly hit in Houston that would have made things very interesting that would have gone out in Philadelphia. So I do agree with you. And I think that you know the tougher thing is to expect more runs from the Phillies, of course, because of how the Astros can deploy their bullpen. And you know McCullers is probably going to go five unless he gets absolutely rocked. And then, of course, you've got Abreu and you've got all these other guys that he can deploy. I think you're going to struggle a little bit to get more runs from the Phillies. But when they're home, they've been mashing all season long. Absolutely. And I do think another key for this series is Taking a look at the
3: hot bats as well. No doubt the hottest bat in the world right now is Bryce Harper. Hitting a 392 in the postseason with five home runs. He had just three home runs in his final 35 games after he came off the injured list during the regular season. No question. He was dealing with a little bit of ailment still. When he came back, it looks like he is fully healthy right now. But for the Houston Astros, what I thought was a big takeaway from game two was you finally had Jose Altuve bust out. He had four hits the entirety of the postseason. He has three in that game. And I do think that that's a big key. For the Astros, because the one thing that I've been taking a look at with Houston is that the bottom of the lineup has really been hitting better than any other team in the postseason. Even for the Philadelphia Phillies, we've seen guys like Gene Segura struggle a little bit. You'd like to see a little bit more out of Alec Boehm, and that's one thing that I really think that the Astros have going in their favor is that at the bottom of the fold, guys like Yuli Gurriel and company have really stepped up this postseason.
4: Yeah, and that's the key for this thing is that everybody knows that every lineup in baseball, even as good, as batter as you can be, you know, the bottom of your lineup is certainly a worry here. And, of course, you know, Martín Maldonado using an illegal bat in Game 1, if that's what you have to do as a Houston Astro, that's what you got to do sometimes. But, yeah, the key certainly for guys like guard and the Phillies is there are some outs to be had on in the Astros lineup. You've got to take advantage of that because if you start putting those guys on and then you've got an Altuve who may have righted the wrong a little bit and some of these other things, you certainly have to figure this stuff out and get the bottom of that lineup out. Yep, you mentioned that, bad. and I think that there's a lot more people interested
3: in whether or not there was something that from Vivaldez was using. I personally think that They're making a lot out of something that may or may not have been there. If you take a look at the spin rate, it wasn't necessarily too far up. So I do not know if there was something that was there or not. But what we do know is that it is one to one right now, as Matt Joseph, better known as Mid-Major Matt, is joining me on the podcast. And also something that I think is interesting with the World Series is that I'm sure you've seen this as well. The menu is just much, much more expansive For this postseason, because we always know about things like yes, run first inning, no, run first inning, things of that nature. But I'm even seeing right now, in terms of the World Series, you're able to bet on like yes, no, run in like the fifth inning, the sixth inning, the seventh inning. List goes on and on. And I just want to throw out there the question of, whether or not you've been taking a look at any of these, shall we say, added markets for the World Series, because I do think that in terms of like betting something like yes run, no run, sixth inning, I think you'd be better off just betting that in-game because you have a little bit of a better feel as to how the game is going and you're able to actually observe because trying to blindly bet something like yes run, no run in the fifth or sixth
4: inning, you just have no idea who's going to be coming up to the plate. You know, obviously I dip a lot into the pitcher props and uh, I'm looking at one sports book. It's not up yet. I'm looking at another one. There's just a strikeout a prop for McCullers. I think the outs market's rather interesting, but I think a lot of the books are going to be scared to put up an outs prop for Syndergaard. I just think that they're going to struggle because they don't know. And this is my problem with the books at times, is that they don't like to put numbers up when they don't have any sort of inkling. So instead of just trying to throw something out there, you and me have no idea how much Thor is going to go. The only people who know how long Thor is going to go is the manager. And even then, it's the people who travel from the future because they've already seen this game and know how it's going to turn out. Other than that, no nobody knows how long some of these pitchers are going to go. So I get frustrated when the books don't put out numbers for some stuff like that. I also like to look occasionally at the first five bets. You know, One book has team total runs for the first five innings. Like I'm looking at the Astros over one and a half is minus 155. I kind of like that. I think that the Astros have an opportunity to get some early runs against Cindergaard. So there are some opportunities, as you said, to kind of just go and navigate through the market. And if you take the time to look at every single thing that's out there, you're going to find a bet or two that you'd like and think you have an edge on. Because I I just don't think the books can get everything right.
3: Oh, no question about it. And we see that time and time again. And they always say the Vegas zones. And certainly these bookmakers are highly intelligent. But at the same time, even the bookmakers don't get everything correct as well. Because you'll find, like in the NFL, for instance, we've seen a whole bunch of teams that have been favorites of a touchdown plus and they lose outright. That has been a very common theme thus far this season. So. Nobody is immune to having a few bad calls. So I do think that it is always interesting to take a look at there. And because the menu is so expansive as well, offers more opportunities. But to your point, sometimes when there is a little bit of uncertainty, it can be a little bit frustrating as well. And Matt, there's obviously uncertainty when it comes to this series. How do you view it right now as to who's going to be able to win it? Because I do think that it was very important that Houston was able to get that game to win. I think that the Phillies at minimum are going to be able to steal one more game. I was thinking that this was going to be Astros in six coming in and I still lean towards Astros in six. I think that there's a good shot that they pull it out in game three. I think Justin Verlander at this point might be honestly the biggest liability that the Houston Astros do have but I still think that the Astros have enough firepower to be able to pull it out but I still think that the Phillies showing great fight. I think that they're sealing at least one more game. What's your overall thoughts on the series as of now?
4: Well, I definitely think we're going back to Houston. I think the key is that the Phillies have to take one of these next two wild card games, whether it's the Guard game or the Ranger Suarez game. Because like you said, I think that Verlander in Philadelphia for game five, I won't guarantee it because obviously circumstances could come into play here. But if there's a game that I feel like the Phillies could take the most, it's game five with Verlander in Philadelphia. That crowd will get on him. And if he continues to struggle, I think that could be a very ugly game for the Astros. So the key for the Phillies to win the series is take one of these next two, take game five and hope that Wheeler and Nola, one of those two guys, you know, wakes up from their slumber. I mean, you know, it was very concerning about Wheeler losing the velocity that he had and there's some concern over the line drive he took off the leg last to uh, start before the World Series And, and look, Nola is a guy that gets very hot and cold. We know that Nola can be a Cy Young level ace, but we also know when Nola's off, he could be one one of the worst pitchers in baseball. So the key is those two guys have to get back to what they're doing and try and send this thing to a seventh game. Potentially, I would maybe look at some sort of over six and a half games, potentially, uh, depending upon if your book offers it and depending upon how these games go. Of course, a lot of these books put out that number and they keep it out there after every game. If the Phillies win, I think this thing's going at least six. If the Phillies lose, well, then you get a little bit worried, but I still think this thing's going six.
3: Yep, I do think so as well. I personally think that this is going to be a series that goes six, and if you do think that it's going to go to a game seven, I'm seeing that at DraftKings right now. That's a plus 155. Meanwhile, if you think that it's going to be going under five and a half, so... One of these two teams, they are going to win each of the next three games as a plus 265. I do not think that that is going to be happening. And, well, if you think that this is going to be a series that is going to be going five, you might as well just bet the money line three times over, whether it be the asterisk or the Philadelphia Phillies that you think is going to win. Roll that over and you're going to get a whole lot, lot more money than that. And I know that you, Matt, find money in a lot of different markets. You do a great job when it comes to the NFL, college football. College basketball is gonna be back in our lives soon. You've done an amazing job taking a look at baseball all season long. So let the good people at home. No, it's all on that for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
4: Yeah, make sure to check out my work at Mid Major Matt. And certainly I love looking at the other markets that are out there besides the size and the totals. I think there's money to be made in every sport, whether it's, you know, uh, the NFL or Major League Baseball, college football, whatever it is. And of course, as you said, college basketball rapidly approaching. Love that sport as well. Certainly any questions that you can't necessarily answer, they could tweet me at mid Uh we're all trying to beat the books. And you can find my work also at Athlon Sports, some NFL previews every single week. Absolutely. And Matt did a great job with his previews for Athlon Sports
3: and has continued to put out great work there. And tell you right now, I'm hard at work on my night one handicaps for the upcoming college basketball season as well. So then spending a lot of my free time, in which I have not had to handicap as many baseball games doing that. And I'm sure that Matt is doing much of the same as that is approaching very, very soon. And it is always great to get Matt aboard as he does a great job of looking at Firing in on baseball in a wide variety of different ways. Taking a look at a whole different props and markets and always does a nice job on this podcast. Big thanks to Matt for joining me on the baseball betting show. Now part of the Visa family podcast coming up next. It is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis for game three of the world series and a little something like call touch them all.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal. Unlike any other as infinity presents Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever.
2: United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
0: Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree.
1: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to be able to get Matt Joseph's support. He does absolutely incredible work. Taking a look at the great game of baseball. Does a nice job when it comes to all forms of football. He's going to be doing great work when it comes to college basketball as well. He's joined me all throughout on this podcast during the season. Taking a look at things, not just in terms of the side and total, but very many other ways to be able to take a look at player props and first fives, first threes, let's go on and on. Ways to be able to cash in terms of the great game of baseball. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis for Game 3 of the World Series as we touch them all.
1: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
3: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at JuneNRS41, obviously. Very easy to go in a rotation order when you've only got one game. So let's dive in to 9.55, 9.56 on the board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies, and the airplane goes to the Houston Astros. as Lance McCullough Jr. is going to be going for the Astros. And Noah Thorsenegard is on the bump for the Phillies. And the Phillies are underdogs of anywhere between plus 110 and plus 121. And the answer answers are between minus 127 and minus 132. Eight is the total unders between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even a minus 110. Very similar to the handicap that I had yesterday, but I'm going to settle on the DK Nation pick being on the over in this spot because we just don't know what we're going to be able to get on Noah or and Garden. I do have my question marks with who'd be following him behind and whether that be someone like a Kyle Gibson, which that would be the really bad, I don't think that they're going to be throwing out their Kyle Gibson much, if at all, so that is something that I think is a little bit more of a long shot, but that said, if you do get it, boy oh boy, that would be a nice treasure trove for the over. You've got Nick Nelson, who's coming in out of the bullpen. He's had north of four ERA all season long, and I do have my question marks with those guys on. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been terrific for this Phillies team all throughout the postseason, and during the postseason, the Phillies have a sub-275 bullpen ERA, so these guys have been able to do a much better job. Someone like Brad Andrew who came in in game two. I recognize they had a bad series against Padres, but by and large, he's able to do the job. Connor Brogdon, Andrew Bellotti, these guys are fine, but with Syndergaard, he's got an ERA north of a 4-5 when he's pitched outside the state of California this year. Only gives up about two walks per nine innings, but his strikeout numbers way down. You got to be figuring that this is probably going to be much like his start against the Atlanta Braves a few series ago where he went three innings, maybe he gives you four, and then he gives way to the bullpen. And with the Phillies, because Ranger Suarez had to pitch out of the bullpen as well, you got to wonder if they're going to try to save a few bullets for game four as well. So it's a little bit of strategy there. And then on the flip side for the Astros, Lance Colors Jr. just really doesn't impress me too much. I recognize that he gets I guess for nine innings, and I will give credit where credit is due. He has been able to do a nice job of issuing fewer walks. Two walks for fewer given up in each out of his last four starts, but During the regular season, four walks per nine innings. And if you took a look at his fielding independent numbers in terms of his ERA in relation to it, his fielding independent is more than half a point higher than his ERA. He's been really lucky to not give up more deep balls than he has this season. He's been giving up about 0.75 home runs per nine innings. He is backed up now by a terrific bullpen of the Astros that has a sub-one bullpen ERA here in the postseason. There's going to be a little bit of progression with that as well. I mean, you've got so many guys who have been terrific... The team, Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu, Ryan Stanek, all with a sub-275 ERA here during the regular season and the postseason. Ryan Presley has been able to do an amazing job as well. Gave up that under run in the ninth inning. was not his fault at all, but for the Houston Astros, all of a sudden, you know how Jose Altuve has been able to wake up as he started out the postseason. 0 oh, of 25. He is now 7 of his last 16, so he's been able to heat up in a big way. Alex Bregman, Jeremy Pena, along with Kyle Tucker, all of three home runs here in the postseason. All these guys hitting at least a 250. All these guys north of a 300 on base as well. Jordan Alvarez, he's been a little bit cold since he had those home runs against the Seattle Mariners, but I do think that game two, him being able to score multiple runs, that was big for the team as well. And then the flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies got the hottest hitter on planet Earth. That would be Bryce Harper. Five home runs and inning a 392 here in the postseason. Reese Hoskins has been hitting significantly better at home. Then he has been on the road. Five home runs in total here in the postseason. I believe that all but one have come at home. So, I do think that that is quite significant for this Phillies team as well. You do need the bottom of the fold to hit much like the Astros bottom of the fold, has been. because guys like a Yoli Gurriel, Chaz McCormick, they've been able to step up for the Astros. Meanwhile, you've had Alec Boehm, who's been able to hit just a 200-year in the postseason. Brandon Marsh, Bryson Stott, Matt Vierling owing below a 80. Now, you've had moments from someone like Brandon Marsh. He's looked a little bit better here in the World Series, but you want to be seeing those guys pick it up a little bit as well, so I do think that there's a lot at play with Philadelphia. It is a little bit colder than it is in Houston. No fans or butts about it, but it's a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark as well, and it's not like it's going to be overly, shall we say, terrible temperatures, especially for very late October slash when we get there very early November, as it's probably going to be in the low to mid-50s throughout the night in Philadelphia, so it's not like you're dealing with absolutely adverse weather or anything like that as a Matter of fact, when the clock strikes eight o'clock for our first pitch, it looks like the weather is going to be in the very, very high 50s to 60 with not a lot of wind going on, so actually a very good night for baseball in Game 1, which is why I do like this total over. I do think that the Phillies are going to be able to get into that Astros bullpen a little bit, but I don't think that Thor is going to be able to deliver too much in this spot. I do think that the guys following Thor before they get into more of their trustworthy guys like it, Jose Alvarado, David Robertson, guys that have been able to do a masterful job here in the postseason. I think that that is going to be holding them back. So the DK Nation write-up is on the over. And with the Astros, I'm going to lay up to a minus 136 on their money line, so siding with the Astros as well. And that will add things up for the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now, part of the Beeson Family podcast, big thanks to Matt Josephs, better known as Ben Major Matt, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you've for this podcast, you'll have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JanitorNRS41. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So, as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, that is fine. An Apple Podcasts Review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I will be coming at you guys every single day throughout the season. And that means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning.
1: Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds...
3: It was shocking.
1: I have to know. What were they thinking?